Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit Tanner. Hello, Ben, and indeed, everybody. How are you all doing? Hello, everybody. Don't feel left out. We're saying hello to you as well, because we're kind like that. Yeah, it's your parasocial interaction for the week, everybody. Welcome back. When I started saying my name is Ben Errington, then I'm a little, I'm just feeling a little bit bunged up, just a little bit, a little bit under the weather, maybe just because of the, the cold. Who knows? It's, I felt like I was going to say my name is Michael Caine. <laughs> ben Errington. Um, <laughs> just going to be traditional, like in a book when they're writing, someone has got a bunged up nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. I love it when people write like, out phonetically. You know, they got a bunged up nose. Yeah, listen to this. This is the state of this. But I'm not Michael Caine. Of Jules Free, Jules Free, Jules Four, Jules Four, Jules the Revenge, yeah, Jules the Revenge, yeah. I remember reading a quote about that where somebody said Jules the Revenge is is rubbish, and he was like, "I've never seen it, but I've seen my mum's house that I bought with yeah, the money. Yeah, paid for mum's house, pay, so paid for mum's house, uh, and that's lovely. Uh, and I kind of I respect that. I mean, I respect Michael Caine anyway, but I respect him even more so for that wonderful cut down of a, I guess, a journalist." bit yeah. rude isn't it, if you're a journalist and the first thing you say is this film you're in shit yeah but so probably read loads of shit issues of your newspaper mate look at that yeah from exactly. this one loads of people died what's that about shit start isn't it <laughs> it's a shit start you don't do that you hook every you, everyone's hooked then um michael kane movie right talking to michael kane bit of a random way to start the podcast ever heard of a movie called the hand a 1981 film about a killer disembodied hand, basically like idle hands, but an cool. 80s movie st- starring Michael Caine. Not only that, he plays a character called John Lansdale, who's a comic book illustrator, and his hand gets lopped off, or I think it's like some sort of um, car accident, actually. Uh, and the hand like takes on a life of its own, evil killer hand, like uh, what's his flavor from Adam's family? Like the thing or an evil death, yeah. Well, yeah, the thing or an evil dead or an idle idle hand. 
You'd be pleased to know, Ben, that in just that quick discussion, I've added it to my letterbox. I'll get straight to it. Sounds great, doesn't it? And d- directed by Oliver Stone as well, the man who directs did loads of stuff. Who directed loads of stuff? Directs. But like you know, not necessarily not not necessarily horror films, but like uh, I think he's done the Doors movie, that the JFK film, Nixon, loads of films about presidents. Oh, of course, uh, Natural Born Killers as well. Um, add it to the list. Basically, I found out about that film from the In Search of Darkness documentary, which I will bring up in what we've been watching because since I've watched that. My watch list has been growing and exponentially. It's been it's been it's it's seriously bloated right now. But you know, if I'd been chipping away at my watch list like you have recent weeks, I'd feel like all my hard work was for no- was for nothing. Uh, I'm gonna get Fruitless. mine undone shortly. I've not watched any of the In Search of Darknesses yet because you're the champion of a horror or otherwise documentary. But I am gonna catch yep. up on that whole three because some of them are intimidatingly long. I think I might just. Mm. Maybe Intimidatingly long, but Maybe do like an yeah. hour at a time. Hour at a time. Well, it breaks it down by year. So oh, as soon as go. it goes, listen. Now we're talking about no, listen. Now we're talking about episode. Now we're talking about nineteen eighty-three. You can go. Next, I'm going to stop it break. there. It's, it's cool, and it's kind of broken up as well, but with some, uh, with some, um, sort of musical other interludes, chats, other, other general chats, or certain actors talking about their career rather than specific years of films it's great um but yeah of course i'm gonna get into it uh so horror news fancy a bit of that and this yes, please. Like i've just been throwing loads of rabbiting loads of stuff for you but I, I trust you're well yeah i'm very well thank you and it's it's always good to hear good relevant stuff so pile in what we got always, on the news this week it's always good relevant stuff um i've got a few pieces of news and i've got a very interesting factoid which Ooh, i'd like to bring on. up I'll save the factoid for the end of this new section. Remind me, remind me before I uh, forget. So uh, news this week, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. are returning for a new I Know What You Did Last Summer sequel. So in the wake of Amazon's short-lived television series, I didn't watch it, sorry. Maybe that's why it it was short-lived. In the wake of that, we have now got um, a sequel, like a legacy sequel with Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt returning. Um, that's pretty much all, all we know about it. It will be taking the trendy legacy sequel approach, returning characters likely in the mix alongside some fresh faces. And then it just says, stay tuned for more as we hear it. So what was the last? Obviously, there was a series and there was the last film was. A was, bit it, a... was it I'll always know what you did last summer? I'll always know what you did last summer. What could Is this that what it's called or is that made up? I know all things that are made up. About right. That sounds about right. Um, what could the new one be called? I don't know if they've already done always. I remember, comma. I, remember I know what you did. What you did last summer. I've forgotten for a bit. <laughs> remember. I've just, remember. I've just recalled what you did last summer. Yeah. I've just or... had a fault, right? I yeah. know what you did last summer. Don't believe that. Don't believe that escaped my mind. Um, or, yeah. Mm. Like, you know. <laughs> I'll always know what you did I mean, last summer again if destroyed still true. No way nowhere near is, is is up for that and as interested as this one, um, as I was like Scream when it announced a legacy sequel. As you said before the show as well, is that little kid directing it? Uh if you listen I did to one our, scene know, of the original. <laughs> if you listen to our I know what you did last summer scene, the most memorable scene of that movie where she shouts at the sky in anger 
was directed by a kid who won a competition. Now, if you listen to our previous um, episode, you'll remember that. However, it's always worth bringing up again because it is mad. Imagine finding out that, like, I don't know, one of the most famous scenes in cinematic history. Um, I don't know, the end of Citizen Kane, for example. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. That is. Oh, yeah, I love that scene. Actually, it was directed by a little a little fella who who, who won a competition for the day. Um, he's only four years old. He didn't really know anything about films or anything. It was, was the competition like to was the competition like send in an idea for a scene or was the competition like send in three boxes, box lids yeah. off Frosties and three pounds <laughs> and you'll get it. Oh, yeah, it could have been either of those. Um yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that they already had a scene written, and maybe the director was like, "This scene, I'm not in. Uh, this scene's a bit naff. Let's get a little kid in to direct it. You know, have the time of his life. <laughs> don't don't help him at all. Because when don't a help little him. kid had come in and gone, I think we should be pointing all the cameras at the floor here. They'll go, yeah, skid him a ring the shit out of this. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, point out the that, floor. Years later, an experimental film genre was born. Exactly. I hope we haven't ruffled any feathers with our skin and marine. Uh, yeah, I think we were. I think we were respectful of the filmmaking. I think it was. I think it was fun. Yeah. And I had a few conversations about people with it. From spoilers, if you haven't listened to last week, skin and marine is one that we found hard to rate because it's it's very different an experience from a piece of art point of view and a piece of entertainment point of view. But yeah. I discussed it with a few people in the last week as well, and I think it is. It's had polarized opinions now that it's out in the mainstream marketplace and from the downright angry reactions I've seen from some people, I think it's less of a victim of its own filmmaking and the people who are reacting very most negatively about Mm. it seem to be responding to the really overblown social media responses that are making it a challenge and a watch that because it isn't that kind of film. I think it's become a victim of, Marketing that it didn't come up with itself, marketing that people have thrust upon it with their social media takes. And mm. it's a very it's a, it's an interesting piece of cinema, but it's not what people are portraying it as on you know, yeah. in their in I their think, challenge I watches. A good thing to mention is that when you posted your rating, you did accompany it with um, a written letterbox review, which I think went into it a little bit more. Most of the time on letterbox, if we've covered it on the on the show, I tend to just put, "Hey, here's the link to the podcast." But sometimes adding a little bit of context is good, especially if you've given it just a couple of stars, which which unfortunately I did with with Skinnerink. I think Cinema I gave Drink. it. I think I gave it a three, combining what I thought of it as a movie and what I thought of it as a. Hmm like showpiece of technique and then averaged it out as a three yeah which is good a lot of my favorite movies are two star movies let's put it out there yeah free free is the is the sweet spot isn't it um okay what other piece of news have we got uh terrifier 2 director damien leone teases an upcoming horror movie with sam raimi's ghost house pictures it's obviously fresh off of last year's box office success of terrifier 2 which um I know, I know I mentioned it last week, Andy. I feel I feel silly to mention it again. I feel like God, I'm, he's going on about it. When I went to Denmark, they were showing it in the cinema in Denmark, and I was kind of like, "That's cool." Just on, just on, just yeah. What can I look? Oh, could that... now. There's probably still age ratings, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was cool, you know, to to think of of like what the kind of budget it had, and it didn't get much of a cinema release in the UK, did it? No. What does these days? I struggle to go and see this. 
Oh, no. This week's film. Um, so, yeah, he's really hoping it could happen before Terrifier 3, or it might happen right after. We'll see. And then everyone says, back up a second. Terrifier 3? What? He's gone and confirmed that, has he? And he says he's writing Terrifier 3 as we speak. Um, but, yeah, the project of Ghost House, no official announcement has been made, but apparently it is on the slate. So, yeah, it seems like Sam Raimi, you know, it's good that he's teaming up with modern modern horror filmmakers as well and lending his name to to other things obviously um he's done a hell of a lot of that over the last few years that's pretty exciting good to see as well and you know the the team that came up with terrifier i think we've talked about this as well while you know while it struggles to break the films that i would watch very regularly nothing but immense respect for what they've what they've done with that movie and the great iconography yeah. they put together with the with the art the mm. clown character and some of the commitment to physical effects that they're doing in there as well so i cannot wait to see what they'll do with you know not having to do the hustle yeah. of raising so much money and actually having some backing and some in some studio money behind them i think it'd be great 100 100 very exciting um another movie announcement is Bloody Stephen King adaptation, isn't it, Andy? Another Billy one. Summers, the movie, the film that but only came out like last year. Billy Summers, J.J. Abrams, and Leonardo DiCaprio are producing the film adaptation of the Stephen King novel, um, for Bad Robot, apparently. So, so Billy, it, I I kind of thought it was more of a like a sort of thriller crime one. So I think Billy Summers is a hitman looking to retire, takes one last lucrative job to feather feather his nest. I love that turn of phrase. Um, I guess it's a horror news because of Stephen King. Um, anything Stephen King sets his 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 um mind to, it seems gets adapted. I reckon we'll get to. I reckon he's written like a shopping list somewhere, and someone's adapting that into a film. Yeah, why not? Bread, milk, light bulbs. What if they're not out? What if they've not got the milk you want? What if you want red top, but they've only got green? Do you make that compromise? Exactly. Or do you what go do try you the do next with... place? <laughs> Oh no! You you want to get it all done in one place? What do you do if you see a shopping list in a basket? Do you give it a little read? Yeah, have a little peruse. Yeah, you never know; it might not be a shopping list. It might be like big plans, might foil the robbery or something. Big plans could be a list of people someone wants to kill, like a kill list, like the film. And and then on the back it says Andy Conduit Turner, and then it says turn around, and you turn around, bang, got you. Wouldn't turn around, duck. <laughs> Duck, roll, dive at the shop. Push the trolley towards them. Take them out. Yeah. Um. So this could be interesting. I'm not sure what Leonardo DiCaprio's um deal would be. What, what's your deal, Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, if you look at the news, Leonardo DiCaprio's deal is going out with young ladies, like 30 years. His that's his that's junior. why he's getting that's why he's getting on this thing as soon as it comes out. Isn't just people who he dates. Ben can't deal with something that's too old. He has to come a second that book's released. He's like, better adapt it. He's gone, it when it's do, do, you fancy, do you fancy adapting the Stephen King novel from the 80s? He's gone, well, you what? Almost 40 Appar- years old. No, thanks. Apparently his new girlfriend wasn't even born when Titanic came out. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but yeah, it's problematic. Okay. And the last piece of news, which I thought was, was pretty damn, pretty damn interesting is that um, Vinegar Syndrome Publishing is a new label which will release comics and novelizations of cult films. Um, so it's literally just been announced this week, just a couple of days ago. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome thrilled to announce that after the launch 
that with the launch of Vinegar Sim- Syndrome Publishing, along with the acquisition of legendary horror comic publisher Ibon Press, um, they will be they will specialize in original comics as well as adaptations and novelizations of some of your favorite films in the vi- in the Vinegar Syndrome catalog. So if if you know collectors of 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 Vinegar Syndrome movies, and there's a lot of Lucio Fulci stuff in there as well as yeah pretty much loads of different genre and and uh world cinema as well uh this could be exciting you know if you've that ever wanted to news. read yeah it does apparently so it's gonna to kick it off this spring with a four-part comic adaptation of lucio Fulci's zombie that's the one where zombie ends up in a tussle in a tussle with a shark right i think so walking on the bottom of the sea i haven't seen zombie. it's on shutter right now right so i might catch up on it yeah um so yeah that that could be could be exciting i i for one love a good novelization well this is the thing right i think novelizations that come out with a modern a modern movie i probably would steer clear of like i know there was a halloween ends one which apparently um elaborated on some of the stuff a little bit expanded on some of the stuff sorry but i feel like a novelization of a film that's like released years and years ago like i mean i've picked up fright night origins which of course isn't a novelization of a fright night movie but it is tied directly to those movies i don't know i kind of feel like that's pretty that's pretty exciting because it feels like a novelization that comes out with a movie as it's released is kind of like rushed and it's kind of like okay let's get it on the shelf mm-hmm. alongside the film so people can read about it but something like that i feel god oh, i wonder why, they, why they've chosen that like the i've always felt like the writer must have something that they want to say some connection they've got with it and there's some good comic adaptations there is um a comic of uh the cabinet of dr caligari with the sonambulist there oh, is wow. a there is a comic i think it's a prequel of a girl walks at home alone at night yeah um there's a pumpkinhead um oh. comic Sounds exciting. All available now on, well, they certainly were available on Comixology. I'm sure other comics platforms that actually function properly are also available. Um, mm. Yeah, they're all they're all out there. So good on you, Vinegar Syndrome. I mean, yeah, doubled a bit of work in horror comics myself. Want me work for hire? You know my number. Yeah, uh, exactly. Get in touch, Andy Conduitzerno. Pen for pen for rent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I use a computer, but yeah. Yeah, use a computer. It's a fault that counts. Um, That's pretty much all I've got for for, for horror news. But what was my little tidbit? Oh, yeah. What was your your factoid, as it was described? It's not not tidbit, is it? It's tidbit. Tidbit. What was it? Tidbit. 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 I don't know the entomology, but that's what it is. Confuses me. Um, If you're a fan of X-Files, are you a fan of X-Files? You like a bit of X-Files, don't you? So, apparently, this... I don't know when this year, but this year would have been when Eugene Toomes would come out of hibernation after 30 years if he hadn't been taken down by Mulder and Scully. There's a part in this in the show in the latest in one of the obviously the latter of the two episodes that Adrian Toomes is in. Eugene Toomes, Adrian Toomes is vulture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eugene Toomes is in, and they say, oh, if he if he went into hibernation now in his nest made out of ripped up bits of newspaper and bile. When would he emerge? And they do a quick bit of maths, and they go twenty. They go two thousand twenty-three. So, yeah. luckily for us, glad he got, got by happen. the escalator. He got squished by the escalator. Exactly. Oh, you got squished by an escalator, did you? A man who, by his very nature, is is able to squeeze into tight spaces. Uh, there's a space too too tight. No one could squeeze into that. 
no made the mis- made the mistake of not holding onto the handrail properly like it tells you in the safety yes yeah, exactly idiot um so so thank you modern scully for making the world a safer place uh because he would have been he would have come out and i, I do quite like obviously we, who else have we got a pennywise who, who goes away for a bit and comes back every 27 years and that yeah there's a few there's like a few that. like that old um well i'll mention him in a little bit spoilers old jeepers creepers will come back every 20 odd oh, years yeah. what's his name the creeper i think oh yeah just the creeper the beating you <clears throat> the creeper man okay so that's it whether you enjoyed that or not andy i don't know but i, I did I, I did enjoy it <laughs> i thought it was pretty interesting hopefully x-files fans will get a kick out of that um so now what we've been watching for the week um anything that you would like to mention i mean you've, you've got an extensive list uh, you touched upon it already ben so you go first and tell us about in search of darkness part three et al what you've been, what oh, you've yeah. been catching up on so in search of darkness is in search, in search of darkness part three is now available on shudder i've definitely mentioned parts one and two on here because i watched them last year uh so yeah, five and a half hours of ext- of an extensive deep dive into eighties horror and genre cinema, mostly horror, but you know it, go- it goes in some interesting directions, featuring you know actors, filmmakers, YouTubers, musicians. You've got uh, Chris Jericho pops his head out in there a few times. Jed Shepard, friend of the show. I'm gonna call him a friend of the show. If you're a guest on this show, you you're a friend. Yeah, of the you're show. automatically a friend unless you literally leave as an enemy. And say never darken yeah. my doorstep again, <laughs> which only happens if if, occasionally. If you don't say that, then you're in. You're a friend of the show. Basically, I I was I had my, my notes app open and I was adding so many films to the watch list. So I said this feels like more of a deep dive. Part one and part two are, you know, they cover a lot of the casual big hitters, glances. casual glances, and also stuff that like you might be familiar with, maybe you've not seen. This is much more of a deep dive. Where I'm like, God. I, never heard of that or i've heard of that i've seen that poster i've seen a clip i've seen you know a screenshot and now i know what it is so i've added so many films not just to my watch list but also in my head thinking you know what we should cover pretty much all of those on this show i think by i think it's i'm pretty sure that the 80s is the decade that we've covered the most films from right it's got to be. Yeah, certainly last time I ran the numbers, it's either that or maybe like maybe 2010s because we did a lot of new stuff. But, yeah. Um, 80s, I, re- I, I think, reckon... is probably still ahead. I reckon, it's, especially with the last like year of the podcast, we've done that. So, yeah, I highly recommend it if you're a fan of like, making new discoveries, I guess, in the genre because, and also finding out the stories about these films and how they came to pass and like how people watched these films years ago, you know, um, when there weren't any streaming services, when you had to, it was just a discovery on a video store shelf. Um, it's really cool. I'm really, and, uh, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend it. It's a good time. Um, and it's one of those, even though it's five and a half hours long, it never feels like a slog. Cause I almost kind of feel like I kind of want it to just last forever, you know? Yeah, and it's it's like having a podcast as sometimes long. You know what? Take a break. You're gonna do all this in one sitting. Don't have to. You don't, right. don't have to. Uh, what I've only I've only really watched a couple of other things, Andy. Go so on. What you got on? I guess I might as well just mention these before if you've got more than me. Yeah. Um, so I watched. I watched Neil Marshall's The Lair, 
which is also on Shudder. It's on Shudder now. I saw it a few couple of weeks back now. I didn't know the Shudder date that was on, so I just cracked and got it on VOD, which was... Uh, uh, yeah. So you've seen it too? It's just fine. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen I, it. I, so we've already discussed it then. I think we might have touched on it super briefly, but you've seen it now. What was your opinion? What did you think? I mean, I've got all the respect in the world from Neil Marshall because Dog Soldiers is up there with one of my favourite films. I absolutely love The Descent. I like, do you know what? I like Neil Marshall's Hellboy as well. Um, I thought it, that was totally, I, don't, I want to say more than fine. It got a lot of hate. I think it was fine. I, th- I think the biggest challenge for Neil Marshall's Hellboy is that it simply wasn't the one that that some people were expecting. And he had an uphill struggle in the fact that people wanted conclusions of um, the previous one, which never got made. So I think it wasn't what it was yeah. that people had problems with. It's that people wanted something that they were never going to get. Yeah. But I think yeah. what he delivered think, was very good. Yeah, I've seen right. his Hellboy. Yeah. David Harbour is, is a great character, is a great Hellboy as well. I think um, the lair is, I can't remember. What, we'll get, we'll touch on what you said. I just, it was just a, it didn't feel like it was made by Neil Marshall, you know. It felt very, it felt pretty cheap. It felt like the 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 um script. I don't know. Do you know sometimes you you read you you hear a well the dialogue in a movie? You're like, someone American has written British characters, but Neil Marshall's not American, so so yeah. How how, how are these characters like? Do they say so many like um Britishisms? In like one sentence, I think a cup of tea gets mentioned about fifteen times, and I'm like, "All right, we get it. They're British." Yeah, um, I'm not going to lay into it too much because, as I said, it's a it's a filmmaker that I appreciate, and you know, when when a when a dud comes out, I kind of just want to almost look the other way. But the creatures looked like a groom on a stag do dressed up in a knockoff Venom costume, bought on eBay for a fiver. They do a, with a with a dose of liquor from Resident yeah. Evil and a big leggy venom energy from, from a quiet place. They run out and give you a thumb. Yeah. And a bit um like the molded in Resident Evil 7. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you, Ben. Like the same as you, great respect for Neil Marshall as a filmmaker and he's made some fantastic films that have stood the test of time. It may be a I'd love to get any American listeners' opinion on this. I think that a lot of Neil Marshall's other films might have been so resonant with us and so beloved and have that real test of time thing like The Descent and like Dog Soldiers as well, because especially for the time it came out, Dog Soldiers is very attuned to the zeitgeist we had here. says using a German word for British culture. That is as British as you get. But like, like whereas this one, the strike of the... Yeah, you're right. Culturally, it feels a lot more American. I think it misses some of the more organic touch points that the old one has. The lead is fantastic, but she's great. I just, do you not also feel like that the, 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 um, the dialogue in Dog Soldiers is just amazing. Like the camaraderie between the characters and that. And I just felt like it was abs- completely absent, completely absent in this. And I didn't really know what was happening or who I was supposed to root for or yeah, it was. People what aren't it, monsters. Yeah, but still, you know, just a weird, just a weird one. Um, and I've not actually seen his previous release, which I think is the Reckoning. I've but not yeah, seen the Reckoning we'll, uh, either. No, 
So, I mean, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. I've not actually seen anything else this week, but I have been playing a lot of Power Wash Simulator on the PS5. So I was like, because of the stress of Dead Space, it's a nice antidote to that, or I can just go and like, uh, Power Wash a skate park for like two hours. Um, or Lara Croft's Mansion. Oh, yeah, I've done Lara Croft's Mansion, yeah. Honestly, I think it took about six hours in total. Oh, I might have to pick that up. Looks very fun. When oh, I say yeah, it's fun. fun. Looks like a chore that I'd hate to do in real life, but in a game, I don't know. I don't. You know what? I think I was kind of thought that, but now I'm kind of thinking I'd love to do it in real life. And now when I'm just walking around, everywhere I see the slightly a bit grubby, I'm like, you need to get the red nozzle on that. <laughs> oh, you'd want you'd want to do it as a job. They don't want to just do it in your own house in this economy. Oh no. Watching that electric meter tick up, my goodness. Oh, yeah, God. You want someone to... And the water bill? Don't, don't remember that. I live in Scotland. Yep. It's part of our council tax. Oh, bloody hell. That's lovely. I want to move I want to move up. Um, That's it, pretty much, for what I've watched. Anything, anything you wanted to mention? All right, let's rattle through a little list for you here. I've got some recommendations for you, Ben, for your list. Get your notes up out. Um, okay. okay, everyone. This week's rundown, I began with 1996's Trilogy of Terror 2. Um, oh. It follows the same example from the original trilogy of terror, where we have one lead heroine um, who's in all three um, of the oh, nice. of the anthology stories as as just a different character each time. It's just the same actor, um, and this time it's Lysette Anthony, who you may recognise. I mean, primarily from Dracula Dead and Loving It, um, <laughs> but she's in all sorts of other other movies over the over the past as well look who's talking now cruel um switch jack cruel. the ripper but okay. she is i feel like she might have more television quotes as well she's definitely a very recognizable face uh and the beginning story is one we'll have seen more recently in guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities you know the the graveyard rats Oh, okay. There is a ver- there is a version of that story, but in a very modern sense in 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 this one, um, rather than the period piece that we see in this newer version. You know what? It's really good. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the first one, which ran on the same principle of a lead a lead actor being in three different stories in different roles. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But it's a really really cool anthology. I think we've mentioned it before. It's the one that has the little fetish doll that chases that person around and you've seen it on the skateboard as a filmmaking technique it's really good it's a good little it's a good fun little anthology series it's really rocketed up my list of favorite anthologies so that's a good one recommending that um i saw 2022's jeepers creepers reborn the reboot to the ailing franchise which i mean jeepers creepers one and two both all-timers for me. Really liked both of them. But then the third one kind of um, ate it a little bit, I guess. It didn't really... Is is the second one like the, the, the school bus full of... The school bus full of people, right? And at the end, yeah, the yeah. farmer... Like the farmer teams up with them and they basically get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I really liked the second one. It was a really surprising sequel. So in this, in this remake, it frames it up nicely where perhaps the... There is a legend, there's an urban legend of it as well, and like it's a thing that is a horror icon already. I think there's even a little passing comment like, oh, didn't they make a film about the creeper? Oh, yeah, they made three. Um, I'm not sure if it's meant to be formally putting the the previous films in a fictional universe in this film's universe, or whether it's just a throwaway line, but basically 
the time has passed and it begins with the creeper re-emerging. Um, I'm assuming it's some cult I'm assuming stuff going that... on. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in. I'm sorry. I'm assuming it's not directed by the dude who obviously got. Um, d- no, he was I... wrong. He was he was a wrong yeah. one, wasn't he? It was it wasn't that one. It is a um. It is the director of Iron Sky, which is one of my, well, several Iron Sky movies. Oh, okay. Maybe the first one or some of the ones. So it is, uh, you know, primarily, uh, the director's name is Timo. Well, I'm gonna apologies, Timo, if I butcher your last name here. Veron Sola. Um, oh, okay. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think is that the guy I'm thinking of? The guy who's directing the, the new. Um. Oh no, it's the Finnish dude I'm thinking of. There's another Timo who's directing the remake of Train to Busan. Uh, no, not that one. I don't believe it doesn't. It isn't listed on his credits yet. But yeah, directed this Jeepers Creepers Reborn. I think maybe the character and the franchise has had its its heyday. It's certainly a big improvement over the over the third one. It doesn't quite reach the heights of the original two for me. It doesn't have the quite have that same magic. But it's an interesting. It's an interesting rebirth and you know pick up a franchise movie see how things are going um then i watched uh 1985's house horror comedy lots oh of, yeah um that's, on, on that's, that's, that's that's one on my list as well yeah steve milner i've seen this one before i went and had a little uh had a little revisit of this one um you know about a writer's trauma about his time in the vietnam war but presented in a very evil dead comedy slapstick way at times it's it's a hard one to sometimes it is like a you know like an animal house you know kind of kind of movie other times it's got that slapstick horror in there um i enjoyed it it's and i seem to remember really enjoying the second one as well i decided i'm going to go back on this series while it's all on shutter so i went in and enjoyed that um probably my biggest recommendation of the week is might have escaped and fallen under your radar on Shudder because it's actually listed under series rather than movies if you're browsing because it's three short parts in total about 50 minutes overall but it's called Blood Machines it came out in 2019 Um, it is directed by Rafael Hernandez and Savitri Jolly Gonfad Um, it's a cosmic opera they describe it and here's your synopsis an artificial intelligence escapes a spaceship to turn into a female ghost to challenge two Blade Runners to a galactic chase. Oh. My description of it in my review I wrote up there was, if you got a Cronenberg to direct Firefly, it is like heavy metal, the oh, animation, wow, okay. but made into actual film. It is super stylized. It is beautiful to look at, but also horrifying. It's space, but it's also supernatural. It's really good. I loved it. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That sounds... What was that? What was the animation we watched? Um, sort of about a year ago now that um, you know, was really stylized and had like, uh, like the, the rotoscope as well. The rotoscope fit. Yes. One. Oh God, what was that called? Uh, I can like picture. I can. I can even picture the font of the, of the. Uh... What about spines? Spine it... of night. Spine of Night, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. yeah it's Night. like the Spine of Night. But again, the Spine of Night are a heavy metal, but dragged into 
actual live action. Um, brilliant. Loved it. Probably biggest recommendation of the week, Blood Machines on Shudder. Again, the value of that subscription up and up every week. That's great. And then also, Ben, Amazing. to wrap up, you've, I believe you've seen both of these. I did a, I've done a duology of killer clothes movies I watched in Fabric, <laughs> which, oh, yeah. really good movie. I've not seen it before. Um, it was before I was joining you every week, so I didn't, I think you've done, done an episode in Fabric way back when. Yeah, yeah, um, did. So, yeah, I hadn't seen it before, but, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, tempered that with maybe that some of the people in that movie are the hardest done by people in the world that just deserve a break. They didn't believe they deserve a haunted dress to get them. No. Um, but they do. But it does. Um, that was that. And then I watched 2020's Slacks with two X's, which, <laughs> I believe, which I believe you've seen. I've got about 15 minutes of that to finish, actually. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to make any big, huge left turns at the last last minute. It's so just no. a fun movie where the jeans are killers. If you could come up against either one of those killer clove items uh in a charity shop for example which one would you least like to to take on um i think i'd least like to get the in fabric dress because it feels like that's more ethereal and haunted i feel like the slacks i could just go yeah. to another place yeah and not be near would, them but the the dress would find you wherever you go the dress would make me crash my car or something yeah that's true don't want to do that. But you, um, Gwendolyn Christie would just be in your house all the time, outstaying a welcome, and then that dress is up amongst it again, even though you took it to the charity shop. Yeah, exactly. Um, both good films in their own right, I think. One is, yeah, played for laughs, I guess, a bit. Um, and the other one, not so much. I mean, both yeah, of both... them, like, In Fabric has got its comedic moments as well, like, mm. when everyone kind of zones out when the guy is doing his... ASMR um, washing machine repair talk. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and also just the fact that Howard Moon yeah. is the bank manager. Oh, yeah, of course. Julian Barrett. Julian Barrett, oh, yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah, both, both enjoyable films in their own right. But that, Ben, mm. is what I've been up to this last that week. That. Apart from mm. we both have heard what happens when you get a knock at the cabin. We have, uh, we have indeed, and you know what? Just don't don't answer, don't answer the knock at the cabin. Oh, that, I think can't get away that they, they knock again. They want to come in. Yeah, that's true. They're very persistent. Um, and I was going to say they're like Jehovah's Witnesses, but that gets mentioned in the movie. Um, so I'm not being inappropriate because you know it, it's played for a laugh. You know, a Jehovah's Witnesses or something. Yeah, I think they are. Um, and they might be. So knock at the cabin. It's a, a 2023 American apocalyptic psychological horror film written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, it's based on the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Um, it's the first adaptation of one of his works as well, so that's pretty exciting. Shame that they couldn't have just called it what the book was called, but he was fuming about that. Um, the film stars Dave Batista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Kristen Cooey. And Abby Quinn and Rupert Grint. Gold Grinty turns up, doesn't he? Um, a family of three are vacationing at a remote cabin when they suddenly held hostage by four strangers who demand they sacrifice one of their own to avert the apocalypse. Bloody hell, I absolutely hate it when that happens. Yeah. I mean, I, demand, I think, is a strong word. 
They just asked. Yeah, they asked very politely, don't they? Um, we, I was going to say which is nice, but you know, it's not nice. You don't, have, you don't um, want to have to do that. It's a big hassle. Yeah, it's annoying though. I feel like any other favor that they came there to ask, I would kind of be open to it. You know, if they asked as politely as they did. However, yeah. you know, sacrificing your family of three and you got to sacrifice one of them. That's a pretty intense ask. Um, ratings for this, we got 6.4 on IMDb, 68% critic score on Rotten Tomato, 63% audience score, 3.2 on Letterboxd. Got some choice reviews for you here, Andy. Mm-hmm. Matt Lynch says, Shyamalan, oh, I said it like that. Shyamalan shoots the hell out of this. Uh, it's suspenseful and spooky. Everyone's good in it. And it's barely 95 minutes. Cinema. Three and a half stars from Matt Lynch. Uh, David Elric says, probably would have liked this more if Dave Batista played the cabin. Two stars. And I think he could. I think he's got the dimensions pretty, pretty much yeah. spot on to play the cabin. Time and time again, proven himself to be a good actor. I bet if he pretended to be a house with the proper prosthetics and makeup, he could do it. We believe it. Uh, and then Amanda the Jedi, whether she's a Jedi or not, I'm not sure. Um, she said, genuinely struggling with the purpose of what I just watched. Like, I get it, but not the way they went about it. Two and a half stars. Now, there's a reason why I've chosen that as a as a, as a a review, because that's kind of how I felt about the book. So, I think, I don't you know what I mentioned, mentioned that I read the book, or did I have I mentioned I'm glad you did, because I would... Book? I was hoping to get that dimension from someone else. I haven't read it, so I was hoping to get the comparison. <laughs> like, I think for the most part, it's very, very similar to the film. Um, about 80% similar to the film. But I just feel like the way it was delivered in the film, I kind of got on board with a bit more than I did the book. Because the book, and again, I've read other stuff by Paul Tremblay, and I think he's a great writer. But the book, I just didn't, I just couldn't grasp what, I was reading, you know, I couldn't understand what was the purpose of it. What was the, the interesting, you know, scenario that I was supposed to be, what was the outcome that I was kind of Mm -hmm. desiring from it? There was nothing. And then I feel like it just kind of petered out. And then I was like, right. Okay. Right. And again, based on that review, I didn't really get the purpose of it. Like I I get what it's, no, it's not like I get what it's trying to say. I understand what it's saying, but I don't get why it's saying it. What the subtext is. Why is it saying it? What's it supposed to mean? Why is it interesting? Uh, yeah. I can't comment on the book. I'll have some thoughts on the film when we get to wrapping up. Um, but I mean, largely, Amanda and Ben and anybody. What's the point in anything? Maybe yeah, that's it. That's Maybe point. that's what the is, point. What's the, what is what, the point? But still, with like a lot of... And I felt, I felt like this by, with Skinner Marink as well, didn't I? Like... I need something to really hang my hat on. It's my favorite uh, way yeah. of describing anything at the moment, it seems. Um, you know, whether it's a story of morality or, you know, I need to hang my hat on something. I need to root for somebody. I need to try and at least understand somebody's place in the story or their part in this big um all the moving pieces of a film. You know, I kind of want to understand a certain character's place in it. Um and Skinner Marink, I couldn't do that at all. This film, yeah, I could. I definitely could. I just feel like with the book, that was what I struggled with. I just feel like this film does it a little bit better. And in terms of M. Night Shyamalan's recent films, I would say this 
is better than old. You saw old, didn't you? I've not seen old. You know, I was away that week when you guys covered it. The beach, what makes you get oh, old, okay. and the beach. What I'm makes aware you get of what happens. Old. I've heard enough spoilers, but I haven't seen the movie yet. I'll pick it up on something. Mm. It'll turn up on a streaming service at some point that you haven't got to buy separately, yeah. and I'll watch it then. I think this is a a return to I don't want to say a return to form because we all know what M Night Shyamalan is is about, don't we? And I think I think M Night gets a tough deal now nowadays because I think the expectations of a he has a very distinct style and a very distinct both visual and the films he chooses kind of language, and I think he is still being compared to his first few movies that were surprising before people knew who he was and what he was capable of. And now, forever chased by people looking for those same highs, probably taking his first light hit where he maybe fell short of some of those expectations. For some with The Village, but other people liked it a lot. Um, More so with Lady in the Water, and then massively when he took on a piece of franchise work and did the... I would say unassailable task of ad- adapting like a beloved manga into a not manga yeah. like an anime series into a um, last you know, in, into into a one movie in the last Airbender. Um, yeah, and then since that, I I feel like the popular thing is to have unrealistic expectations or to be going into one of his movies with an idea of knocking it. I know our views on the visit differ. I love it. I think it's delightfully yeah. like yeah. cheesy uh i i think it's great but the, the like his last movie as well i haven't seen old and i know that was divisive and i think with this one as well like i almost pause and say what do you want from him i think it's a really well-made movie i think he gets some incredible performances out of it and i think the issues that you might have with the grasp of the story and the point behind it it's as much if not more to do with the source material than it is anything he does with that movie i feel like the source material is just a bit vague it feels like it's like intentionally vague and in that way it's frustrating because you know i want to know more and it feels it it almost feels like as a concept it's not fleshed out enough for for there to be a genuine story with with fret and with i mean sure there's fret but it's not flesh it feels like the characters are not telling us everything because but it doesn't feel like the because the characters have a secret and we're gonna find it out it feels like it's because the, the the story like the source material and the script for example doesn't know it feels like i'm getting um it feels like lost all over again where <laughs> It's like there's a, there's a there's a mystery under there's an underlying mystery. We have to keep mystery. the mystery going. We have to keep the mystery going, and we're gonna tell you what the mystery is at the end. But by the time you get to the end, actually, in fact, it's not really anything that 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 is particularly interesting. So we're not really, even really gonna go into it. Kind of feels like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just just me. My relationship with the book, I think, probably tarnishes my relationship with the film a tad. But I think there's a lot to like. I think it's shot incredibly well there are a lot of really good performances from pretty much everybody involved um i think the cinematography is great i think the soundtrack was really good i thought you know um and yeah i think i preferred it in in many ways in many ways to to the book with m night Shyamalan, i think i agree with him getting a bad rap because when we were going to watch the film um charlie said to me 
oh, I wonder what the twist is going to be. And I was almost like, I don't know if M. Night is all about the twist anymore. You know, he's done a few twists, sure. But, you know, if you broke down his whole um, filmography, the the amount of films that have a genuine twist is probably like three or maybe four. And a lot of them sit in the first sort of five or six films he released. Um, I I guess The Visit had a twist. But after that, I'm, I'm almost like, I'm definitely past expecting there to be any sort of twist, especially when this is based on a book. So you kind of think, can he twist up this, the source material to that, mm-hmm. that much? He can't really, can he? That'd yeah. be cheeky. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like, and I think this from everything he's saying is a fairly close adaptation apart from, you know, the mm. in, in adapting any piece of literature, which is going to run for a hour and a half movie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it probably makes sense before we go into the movie. Spoilers for a new movie, everyone, by the way. If you haven't seen it and you care about spoilers and you're going to go and see it, give it a pause here until we, until you've been to see it or until you've realised that you don't care. Uh, and then we'll we'll go through it plot-wise. Thematically, for me, and again, I'm more confident in this than I was in the meanings behind Skinnerink, even though we took our best shot at them. Um, I'm not a not a literature or a film critic of any of any of any note and I don't have the actual film school theory behind it for me it again looks at where we are today I guess the greater focus on the individual and that central family unit that you have and particularly in the main characters we have with Eric and Andrew people who are potentially outsiders to certain elements of society and that they're a same-sex couple who who have adopted a kid and protect themselves in that insular family unit as well as they can having that responsibility placed on them and this doesn't get into the spoilers yet because of course this is pretty well laid out in the trailers even they are given a responsibility to make a sacrifice in a world where religion and um, you know, old folklore and so on that would have dictated a lot of people's lives in the past has fallen away because now we are, have a scientific society and those aren't huge playing factors anymore. And in a world where we're increasingly focused on the people close to us and the individual to being asked to make a sacrifice that will damage, if not destroy your own life, but for the benefit of a lot of people that you do not know, will never know. And in some cases, you maybe are actively disincentivized to support and help because they are people who have rejected you, are afraid of you, are directly unpleasant to you, whether in a a violent and criminal sense or just dismissive of you. It would be a huge ask. I think it's an interesting character study to look at how that goes through to ask someone to take faith that this is a real thing in a world where faith is of less importance to people's lives and then make this sacrifice for a wider society that maybe you're not really inclined to care that much about. I think so for me, that it's... was the theme and that's why I walked out the cinema spoilers now, incredibly yeah. sad. Um, but... Oh yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. But that was, what, that almost was my take like... anyway. Yeah, I think I, I I agree with that, and I think yeah, a lot of that makes sense. I think it, I think this film dealt with maybe slightly better than the book for me. But then again, I think I was reading the book about about halfway through. I was getting a bit frustrated, so maybe a lot of that subtext 
kind of fell away for me. Whereas in the book, I felt like it was delivered a lot better, especially in terms of like flashbacks we had. So we understand about this couple and, you know, the difficulties that they faced in terms of violence, violent acts against them. And the fact that they both look at the world in such different ways um, to two gay men um, who, are, who are obviously in a same sex relationship and they've adopted uh, a girl um you know a girl of a different race as well you know that's obviously something that would again be um something to discuss and obviously they look at the world in two different ways you know one's kind of like not supported by his parents um sort of looks at the world through a, a place of uh, as i don't want to say as a victim that's probably not correct um but somebody, somebody who who is on who is, does get the shitty end of the stick a lot of the times in terms for being for for being a gay man in this in this obviously a victim of violence as well, whereas the other other guy clearly has a supportive network of parents looks at the world a bit more hopefully I guess or kind of like you know the world doesn't accept us however I'm hopeful that people can get better or understand whereas the other guy maybe is a bit more frustrated with the world and hates the world and hates everyone in it. Um, in a way, you know, maybe he doesn't say that, but when he's pushed to the brink, he does. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to see that sort of dynamic, but the fact that they share this unwavering love for somebody who they've adopted as well, which is which is which is amazing. And then to see how they deal with these like intruders in their lives, where one of them deals with like in, in a way they are here to commit acts of hate upon us. Um because of our sexuality because of the lives we've chosen to lead and the other one who's maybe a bit more like i don't think is as simple as that it was interesting to see yeah those sort of sides of the coin i guess there's some interest of it and this creates probably a nice and you can see why they wanted to approach or why m night himself would have an interest in this film huge parallels with for me perhaps one of his strongest films we've covered it reasonably recently the signs Oh yeah, the signs is about the signs is about a man who was a man of faith who no longer has that faith, and mm. the things they're seeing, basically having two possibilities. They are read the signs that everything is connected and there is a preordained plan for things, or it is just a, a bunch of things that happen. Mm. And we see the characters in this film go through a lot of that same experience. There are they're being asked to they're being asked to do something in the with the understanding that if they don't do it something terrible is going to happen and then they are rather than you know they're, they're being then challenged with the these things to say oh look do you believe this yet do you believe this happening and they are consistently the film goes rallying against what that what that could be and they're rationalizing those things so a lot like we see in those characters except it's not space aliens this time everybody it's something different it's not space aliens who I don't want to spoil signs, sorry. Um yeah, and I think we mentioned before a little bit about the dialogue in M. Night Shyamalan's films has a really weird flavour to it. But I'm so used to it now that it doesn't feel bad anymore, I don't think. It just feels um thoughtful, I guess. It's kinda of like thoughtful and people are talking in ways that get I guess gets to the point. But doesn't it almost it almost feels like robotic, but not it's really, really weird to explain. It's robotic, but I, I, I kind of I understand the emotion. I feel like it cuts out all of the fat <laughs> of like yeah. something and just has is a really direct 
way of and I think I may have mentioned it before. It reminds me of Robert Kirkman writes The Walking Dead. Um, is that like people don't talk like that? Nobody, nobody actually talks like that. They, these aren't actual human beings speaking. However, it it still makes sense. It still works. And is that does that make sense? I mean, that's how it affects it me. Into... The the way I would put it, and I think this film more better, so yeah. than most. No, not at all. I'm not like M Night Shyamalan. I'm not going to cut this straight to the the fat. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm you know maybe I'm like their characters in that I probably have a slightly unusual way of of talking the words I tend to choose. But for me, when I watch this film more so than actually than any other of his books, not books, one of other of his movies, but it's true across perhaps across the board, is that his movies watch a lot like you might see in a play, and I yeah. think. I think we've uh, said that before. You we, could we absolutely probably did. You could probably when we did the signs. Actually, yeah. I think you could cabin. Uh, sorry, knock on the cabin in particular. You could translate this to a stage. It would work incredibly well in oh, my yeah, opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. Really it's good almost... character pieces. The way that each character has, the way they speak is a factor into what their character is, and that's true of you know the over-the-top nature of the boy and you know the, the the male and female kids in the visit it's true of the performative way that bruce willis works in um in an in unbreakable yeah. uh, and in um the sixth sense and it's it's, it's almost like it removes characters here as well yeah sorry sorry andy it's almost like it removes all, all subtext and it's almost like people are saying exactly what they feel and think so that the audience know exactly they're right there with it. And again, yeah, that is a bit like a, a sort of stage, like like theatre, because sometimes, you know, it does have to be delivered like that because, yeah, you can't usually do things like flashback to flesh out characters, even though this film does. Um, but yeah, the performances, what a performance here is uh, Batista's disarming performance. And I guess that's a good way, good way of putting it. But um the performance of uh, Kristen Cooey as well as Wen in her first role is is amazing. She's you know? phenomenal. Like, I think we're probably reaching the critical mass point where not so long ago, right? Like you'd see kids acting in stuff, and maybe there's been maybe there's been a trough because I feel like maybe it's because we were kids at the time or maybe it was because like you watch like an 80s movie and you don't notice that kids are like child actors you you're really on board and you believe it and then yeah. it feels like in the 90s and early 2000s we had an absolute dearth of oh there's a kid in this it's going to be insufferable because kids aren't very good at acting but I think we're beyond this now. I think some of the the greatest talent that we see in, in acting spaces is from increasingly yeah. very young people. And th this is true. Um, I think because of kids and horror movies from like the from like the late 90s, early 2000s were always supposed to be like the spooky kid who's seen something weird. And, you know, um, whereas now I feel like kids are, are written a lot better. Um, yeah. That's not to say that all kid actors and all kid roles in horror, but I think there are a lot of a lot of mainstream roles for spooky kids that were a bit a bit bad. You know, not necessarily the performance. Sometimes, like the role was was not the best in terms of their place in that film. Um, 
so yeah, I think there's kids are just written a lot better and believable these days, I guess, yeah. which is, you know, this character feels like a real character um, in a real unique situation. And I feel like the way she reacts and the way she interacts with other characters is is good. But then again, the way the way when was written in the book was never something I had a problem with. I always felt like the characters of when the characters of Eric and Andrew were characters that I understood far better than the antagonists. And I yeah. probably still feel like that now. And you know what, before we go into the the plot summary here, um time time to really consider this. Would you say in the purest sense of the word, recovering it now, we're not going to change anything. Um would you say heart on hand on heart is this a horror movie? Uh Yeah, I suppose it's a good question. I mean, I guess so. I mean, some of the gore is kind of like it does happen but off off screen a bit. I guess we the the audience looks away like when when looks away. If she looks away, we don't quite see anything. Um even though there's like a throat slit and some head smashes. I guess it's a horror movie because, you know, we don't know the the nature of these characters when he invade this cabin. So it's almost like it could be a slasher, could be some sort of home invasion thriller or something like that. But I think it probably is a horror movie in the sense of the word because apocalypse kind of goes hand in hand. Um, well, the way the apocalypse plays out in this, I guess, it's not like a disaster movie, but the apocalypse has almost got something supernatural about it, isn't it, in this one? And there's a cabin in it as well, so... It's very horror centric. Cabins are synonymous, of course, with with horror. Of course, um, yeah. Is this the first horror role for Batista? Um, Army of the Dead. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I would have liked to have his if his Batista music played when he was walking through the through the forest towards when. He's ever so nice in this though. He wasn't coming in Batista bomb this little kid. Um, but <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what. Yeah, we'll get into the plot summary. Another thing that I will applaud this film for is tell you what, get straight to it. Things are happening yeah. in this. What a minute in? So in the trailer, it looked like we were going to get a bit of a sort of intro because in the trailer you see them in the car, but it turns out that's like a um, flashback. Uh, yeah, so I mean, in terms of the cast, we've got Dave. So there's like the four antagonists who are Leonard, Sabrina, Adrian, and Redmond. That's Batista, Nikki, Amuka Bird, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint. And then the, the, the couple are Jonathan Groff as Eric, Ben Aldridge as Andrew, and then Kristen Cooey as Wen. So that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? M. Night mm-hmm. Shyamalan obviously obviously does pop up in a in a cameo. He's like just a, on telly. Just on telly. He's gone, how can I get myself in here? Shall I just come and knock on the cabin and say, all right, everything all right in here? No, no, no. You're just going to be on TV or something. Bloody hell. Still in an air fryer. Oh, yeah, he is still in there for isn't he? Yeah, sold. Um, so, yeah, it pretty much starts with... So, Wen is on a vacation with her parents, Eric and Andrew, at the remote cabin in rural Pennsylvania, and she's mucking catching about... Catching grasshoppers. Catching some grasshoppers, but talking to them in a way... Did she tell one grasshopper not to fart? Yeah, she does. She says, I'm going to name you after this girl in my class because she's real nice, but... She does do loads of farts and always denies it, but so just don't do that. 
whoever yeah there it oh sorry now you've said it she always denies it and you go whoever did the rhyme did the crime there's actually in neil marshall's the lair there's a whole bit where people do adults adult human males have a back and forth like have you have you guffed or whoever as has it start What's the first I one you said? I don't remember that. It's been a while now. Like, whoever smelt like, it, dealt it. Whoever smelt it, dealt it. Whoever denied it, supplied it. Whoever did the rhyme, did the crime. And I'm like, there is no fucking way this is in a, like an actual filmmaker who's written the script and gone, this will get everyone well right up. Fucking hell. Anyway, sorry. Back to but it. But yeah, she's, she's doing that and she's talking to the grasshoppers. And then within moments... Old Dave Batista comes marching over, introduces yeah. himself. Ever so nice. Have a lovely chat. His name is Leonard. And, you know, she goes through a bit of stranger danger. But unlike Pennywise, who goes, Oh, you're Georgie. We ain't strangers no more. He basically goes, I hope you won't be strangers for very long. Actually, I'm here to be your friend. Uh, this is a. And then he plays a game where they taking turns but picking a petal off a flower and asking each other questions um gets to know her what her parents names are and again we get some of the wider context here of the the experiences and you know the social commentary that goes with the film there's one bit where he says well i think when explains i have two dads i call them daddy eric and daddy andrew so i can tell them apart when they're both my dad so i use their first names with dad because then it will make it obvious who I'm talking to. I think it's very nice to have two dads. The only time it isn't is when my guidance counselor at school says how brilliant it is to have two dads, but she says it. Yeah. She says it so often that it feels like it's not a good thing. And again, that's yeah. it, isn't it? That's probably one of the experiences that people have. Because tell you what, mention... people can't half bang on about stuff. People are not banging on about it. She does kind of mention no one else in her class has two dads as well. So Or no one on the um, Disney so... Channel does. Burn on you, Disney. Oh, yeah. She does say that. Yeah. Disney Channel. Disney Channel's still a thing. It's just Disney Plus now, I guess. <laughs> it's just Disney Plus now, mate. Don't worry about it. Uh, to be fair, what would you do if you looked out the cabin, cabin window and you saw your young daughter talking to a big tree of a man, Dave Batista, who's dressed in a lovely... Uh, a lovely pressed shirt um, and he's got his, he loves a pair of glasses we've definitely mentioned this before Dave Batista and glasses go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly with the exception of in Stuber where he's just had laser eye surgery so he won't need glasses of course it's of the anti-Dave yeah. Batista movie where he's really tried I don't want to get typecast no glasses in this one please no glasses the smaller the smaller the glasses the more intense the role so you know Blade Runner 2049, think... the glasses were <laughs> little Kendall glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Tiniest little glasses. I feel like if they get on and make that Gears of War movie soon, where he'll inevitably be Marcus Phoenix. If they don't do it quite soon, he can be his dad. And I feel like he could wear very tiny glasses as Adam Phoenix. Mm. Whoever he is, he's like, can we, can we get some tiny glasses on set for this? He's like, oh, I don't think this character's going to have glasses. No, I'm not interested. Yeah, he's, he has some glasses in this one, and he's very nice, softly spoken, and a good is very counterbalance nice, yeah. to the way they to the way he's usually plays as an action star. Yeah, and I guess it's like even though we're not aware of what these four people are coming here for, and we're supposed to be a little bit, I guess, afraid of them. Um, 
I think that the thing that would scare me the most is that they're just not getting to the point, are they? Never ever getting to the point. Oh, we're gonna have to do something real bad, and all you people are gonna have to make a really bad decision uh, when we get inside. All right, what's all that about then? I can't say, but I will. Yeah, for, for the purposes sake. of this movie's right, I get it. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like the amount of problems in a movie that you could have left a post-it note on the fridge or just talked about your issues. Yeah, there would be no movie. There would there. Yeah, but like oh, the L. Um, Oh, what's the actor's name that plays Professor Snape? Um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Alan just, Rickman. Just don't have a. Just don't buy jewelry for the for that woman in your office in Love oh, Actually. God. Just say. Love just actually. say. Just say. I've got a wife, and I'm also your boss. It's not appropriate talking to me like that. And just get on. Yeah. And then in an hour's time, won't have to feel really horrible. And the sad and bit the of this film. film. Would just end. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the that. film would just end, and it wouldn't happen. Don't, just don't go in the wit in the in the woods to look for the Blair Witch. It's probably not worth it. Yeah, so nah. there just wouldn't be a film. But it is nah. true that you could just sit down and go, look, you're probably not going to believe this. It sounds absolutely crackers, I know, but there's going to be an apocalypse. We've all had these weird visions about it. This is what I think is going to happen. But yeah, I, I guess it'd be a very functional and not entertaining movie. So they have to have some license to it. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely. So after this brief chat, everybody, the other three of of Dave Batista's little gang, um, all just start slowly walking through the through the forest. They've all they're all carrying various weird combo weapons. They look like the kind of weapons that you make in the Last of Us game, where like you've got a baseball bat and you sell a pair of scissors to it. Um, they're kind of like they're like guarding. Very dead rising, right? Where it's like, right, I've got some <laughs> yeah, chainsaw, yeah. I've got some chainsaws and a kayak paddle. I can make like uh, this oh, yeah. amazing weapon. Or if you ever played Home Alone on the Sega Mega Drive or or never or never console, it's probably out something else. You make weapons by combining all the random items, like a, a some sort of snowball launcher, after, yeah. with uh, elastic bands and all that stuff. That'd so that's what they've time. made. They've got all of their makeshift Home Alone weapons. They've MacGyvered it all. That um, seems like a really weird, unnecessary, bizarre addition that is kind of added for what? I mean, I know it's supposed to be about their visions, essentially, but it just feels kind of weird to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I guess, it's almost I guess like, it is. Is it going to apocalypse even harder if they don't make that weapon exactly right? Exactly. And also, like, maybe just turn up to the cabin without those weapons first? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you turn up with those weapons, you're automatically like, why have you got like the head of a mallet on a chain on another stick? What are you all right? Yeah, I've just knocked this up in the garage. I've come to bludgeon someone's skull in. Don't worry, it's not yours. I'm actually forbidden from hurting you. But um yeah, it's 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 interesting. I guess it just fits into the aesthetic. And how about in the book? Does it have more background into these guys with them making them, or is it just also it just is like the nun? I think it's pretty much the same. Like, I think it pretty much plays out exactly the same. If I remember correctly, the first scene in the book is the grasshoppers collecting bit. So, yeah, I think for the most part, there aren't there isn't any background. If I remember as well, I don't think there's all that much background into the characters of Eric and Andrew. I won't be getting it completely wrong, you know. It was, it was a while ago I read it. It's been so. a while since you read it. But in the yeah. film... um when sees the others arriving, she gets scared, runs in, like Leonard uh, shouts after and says, look, 
please tell your dads to let us in because we have to talk about something very important with them. My heart's broken because I'm going to have to do something right horrible. Um, she runs in, warns the dad, warns Eric and Andrew that she gets them into the house, they lock the door, and then the titular knock at the cabin comes. The titular knock at the cabin it is basically like, what are we, some kind of suicide squad? What is that? Some kind of knock at the cabin? Um, yeah. But it's a good, you know, it, first of all, I know who's knocking without even needing to see it. It's definitely a Dave Batista knock. It's slow, it's measured. There's probably one knock too many in it. I feel like if you didn't want someone to be scared of you, you would do like a or not dum 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 dum. Yeah, a few a few too many knocks. I am yeah. a big fan of an EastEnders knock myself when I'm at someone's house. Are you? Interesting. Yeah. These two big ones are going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say um, something like, "Yeah, I'm your dad." What? <laughs> I'm your dad. You were what? I'm your dad. Let me in. Um. Yeah. So he gives a knock at the cabin. When is insistent they shouldn't let them in. Probably exacerbated by the fact that the others are wandering around by the windows anytime already. They're pacing about the place. Yeah. Um. They encourage them to let them in. They refuse. They try to phone the the old polis to get the guys lifted. Um, and they shout, the, I think one of the other characters shouts through, we know your phones don't get signal here. Um, yeah. And so sorry, the, we've had to cut the phone lines. Oh, oh sorry. How many times do you turn up at a cabin, Airbnb, and they'd have a bloody landline phone on the go? Uh, if you're in rural Pennsylvania, who knows? Okay, okay. Well, um, so they 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 break in. Old Redmond is uh, scarily bashing his way through the door. Dave Batista comes in through the the cellar. They they break in. Yeah. Um, we have a com- the the first confrontation comes with um, the, the guys gather up some weapons and is it Andrew? Oh no, it's Eric who ends they up. They have in like a fight. the fire fire poker and Eric ends up in a fight. He gets a concussion somehow. Does he just get whacked or does he slip? He's, and he's fighting with fighting with Sabrina and she dodges and he takes a tumble and bashes himself right on the noggin oh dear it's because it's because he's wearing a, a um a dressing gown while he's fighting he's in his dressing gown he must have slippers on thing about slippers a little slippery very slippery yeah exactly i hope he's dressed underneath that uh dressing gown It'd be very embarrassing if it just came open oh, and he was just as we find out later he's jumped in the lake with all his clothes on probably he's oh yeah he's probably on the drying line that's madness. That was probably the most jarring moment of this film, where I was like, "Hang on a minute, I'm not, I'm not living a carefree lifestyle like that, where I'm just jumping, jumping in the water. I'll get my swimmers on first, thanks. No, come and jump in the water now. No, I will not. Yeah, just totally unnecessary in just this economy. These. Um, yeah. So they they break in uh, when Eric slips and hurts himself. Um, the someone who's been his assailant moments ago. So Sabrina is very much like he's hurt himself. He's bashed his head. Let me look after him. Um, You're like, get away from me. But Andrew does not see Leonard's coming in. He's been. Does he knock him out? Does he just like uh, capture him? We just just captures him off screen. He just yeah, like, gives sure up knocking, knocking people out. I think he just captures him. They tie them up, don't they? Onto yeah. 
to chairs and they're all kind of like facing the right way. Obviously, when, um, when sorry, isn't tied up, but they put a little, t- little cartoon on the TV for her. Because, you know, if four people break into your house or your cabin, stick a couple of cartoons on, you'll be calmed down. as You'll be right as rain. Yeah. And like, I guess this is, this is probably where you get some of the, the speech quirks that you get. But I think Leonard's character is very thoughtful. As of it. It's like, I think this cartoon is good. It shows, it, I suspect that it oh, yeah. teaches tolerance empathy and, and yeah. empathy. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's when they start suspecting them of like this being essentially a hate. Uh, uh, this is an attack based on their sexuality and their lifestyle yeah. and their family unit. They think that somebody has just come there to fuck them up essentially. So they're very, yeah. We see that like, yeah. you're, oh, you've taken against us because we're a same sex couple that has adopted a child and the, the, they all kind of insist. No, none of us knew who you were before we got here. Um, it's weird that that, um, that part was left out of the visions though, right? Yeah, is it just that you go to this cabin? Maybe that's so specific with the, the visions, big, the big right? Plan. Make sure your weapon is like nunchucks, but they're made out of uh, t- two pieces of corn on timber. the cob. Two corn on the cobs, uh, ladled la- with butter, lure pack. Make sure it's that. Um, who, who have we got to make kill themselves? Don't worry about that bit. Don't, don't worry about that. That's not important. <laughs> It's not really my department, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm the weapons vision person. You want to talk to oh, the yeah. victims vision person? It'll oh, be a long holiday. He's on holiday. Oh. He's got, he's got a week off. You want to contact whoever is on, is out of office? It's me. Oh, I oh, to that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I'm afraid um, I don't know. You just have to leave that bit out, unfortunately. Yeah. So they, they don't know. They don't know. But they, they, they insist that actually it's nothing to do with them. It, it's not. It's not only that they're not homophobic which they are not they say they're not um is but it's also that they didn't even know who they were so it's it's almost irrelevant to the point and this is where they do some um explanation where the characters all introduce themselves and what they do yeah um Redmond your daddy is the most and what does he do yeah he's the most resistance to his what's the point everybody this he's Fucking hell, Redmond, do you have any visions about not fucking moaning? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. We all, we're also made to believe that they all like traveled there. I think Sabrina says she used all her savings to travel. So how much believe how expensive and then she said she drove, so I was like, how expensive is the gas? In petrol in petrol money these days, Ben, in this economy. That's true. That's true. Good point. Uh, Good it's point. expensive. Long old drivers are America's massive. So she's she's driven along. So Good we point. have we have Leonard, who reveals that he is a school teacher and coach. We have Sabrina, who we've already seen from tending to Eric's wounds, is a nurse, she claims. Uh, Adrian is a cook. And then Redmond works for the works, works for the gas board, is the gasman. I work for the gasman, mate. Don't worry about it. Um, and we're also made to believe that like they didn't know each other well they've spoken obviously but they didn't know each other before this whole scenario it wasn't like they're all mates they all went to school together they're all pally wally no none of that they met on the internet on a message board where yeah obviously we'll get into the reasons for that um they They outline what they are now they see the visions right they say i tell you what we've had these visions 
and they put it to them at this point that the they've all had these same visions of how the world is going to end and the visions run thusly that the oceans will rise and um and claim large areas of the land many people will drown buildings will be destroyed then there will be a plague then the sky will fall like pieces of glass falling to the earth uh and then the final one that god's fingers will come down scorch the earth and then it will end with a everlasting darkness i'd be and... like in order for me to believe these visions a little bit more or these prophecy this prophecy why do you have to describe it in such a a incredibly religious way when you know you're going to come across as a, a like religious extremist like a cult yeah like a cult so don't describe it like that um also don't describe it so poetically you know just say listen Listen, if <laughs> if if you don't do this, if you don't make the sacrifice, there will be a load of earthquakes and tsunamis. That's the first thing. Then there's going to be a terrible flu. A flu bug will come across, but it won't happen to me. But all of these things, right? Well, I will get into this. But the fact that they're already on TV, like, ain't as easy as that. Like, oh no, you've caused this thing now. It's immediately on TV that this has happened. It will take weeks and months to like happen um i guess earthquakes not so much but you know people aren't just going to suddenly all be dying in hospital sick with this flu it take take a while um yeah. so yeah that that bit felt a bit unbelievable there are some to me. there yeah. are some there are some structural problems to that um yeah yeah but yeah so that's, a lot that's... of stretch you kind of, you're you kind of meant to str- like at some point it feels like this is really urgent we need to make this decision right now, this second. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, and I keep checking their coming. watches that they pull out. Andrew points out, you check your watch all the bloody time. Maybe they just know what the deadline is. They know that these things are gonna. They've got to fit so again, in. So again, all of their visions happened to have the exact time that these things had happened, but they didn't have any details about who they were supposed to be. Yeah, someone someone has made a real big admin error along the way maybe right? this, maybe it's like it's one of the things maybe it's like the signs and they got their vision specifically timed so that would have exactly the right amount of time so they couldn't get in touch with them weeks earlier if you kept having these visions do you reckon you end up on a message board i reckon i just i don't know go to the doctor get on my life having, having these visions um yeah uh, you what you, me too you touched upon it ben but they, they basically say this is the solution right Sorry, this is going to be tough, but um, basically to avoid these horrible things happening, you will have to make a decision as a family. Yeah. that You have to make a decision as a family that you are going to, one of you is going to be sacrificed and will die, and then we can't do it. It's very important. We we can't do it, and you can't kill yourself. You will have to, one of you will have, the others will have to kill the person that you decide to kill. So and specific. then if you don't do that, you'll be basically the last people left in the world and the last things that you'll stay alive just long enough to walk around in the eternal damnation that will be left. Yeah. The eternal damnation. Um, yeah. And obviously immediately they go, you're all off your, off your noggins. You're all um, religious extremists who have come here to either a, exact some sort of hate based 
um, attack on us or you're just off your nut and uh, we're not going to obviously kill one of the three of us in order to do it. bit mean that it includes old Wen as well. Imagine both of us just turned to each other and went, shall we just... Oh, yeah, you can imagine that. But I reckon, like, from a reality TV perspective, as a little kid, Wen should be very confident. She's got immunity. She's like, yeah, it's going to be one of you, one of you dads. That's true. Total immunity. Yeah, no Just one's one of you dads. Sweet little girl die. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, pretty quickly at this point, right? They say, okay, um, you know, a plague will be released for every time you refuse to. Uh, make the sacrifice first yeah. up first time of asking the chris tarrant music comes on it goes dun, 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 dun. will you <laughs> sacrifice thing and they they confer as a family and they all say no <laughs> i'll answer um, want to phone a friend no 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 just don't need save save my life lifelines actually just no um and redmond accepting of his fate must comment actually, Rupert Grint. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a very short role, but very, yeah, great um, Boston, very, impact- very impactful role. We got great performance. I don't understand why they've got to die, I don't understand where that fits in anything. Just you know part I mean? of it, it's in the visions, Ben. Just gotta, yeah, but, <laughs> but I feel like is that not just going to happen anyway, whether one of them dies or not? Well, it wouldn't have died in the thing that happens, though. They they need to die by having a pretty head smashed with hammer. I still don't understand, though. Am I being an idiot? Feel free to say yes. No, you're not being what, an idiot. I think. What has them dying got you, to do you, with... If you suspend disbelief and go to the final metaphor that they are like an alternative four horsemen of the apocalypse, they're not uh, okay. death, plague, famine, and war. They are... Uh, spoilers for later in the movie. I think they describe them as malice, uh, like nurturing. Oh yeah, I nurturing. He- yeah, it is like nurturing, healing, and uh, what's the last one? He's like, he's like nurturing, healing, or like, um, yeah, I know what you mean. He, he is like one encouragement of or guidance, guidance and, and, maybe. And Red Redmond is he bottled a gay man once. Possibly, possibly Andrew. We we learn this later on. So he is. Yeah, so he weird. represents. So they they're chosen and they are they are symbolic and harbingers of this apocalypse. So their yeah. death in response to the family refusing to make a sacrifice is basically the sound of okay. heaven's trumpets. This is the blast of the thing that ushers one portion because each of them. Okay begins an event you, which brings several deaths right you just you describing it has made it make more sense to me now even though i'm gonna hear the story in two different i'm media. gonna bring you up by a ranking by the time i get to the end yeah um so redmond um quite angrily puts like a like a white balaclava over his head like a james bond villain in a snow setting and I hate it you could see the little you could see his little ginger beard hairs poking through it yeah not enough uh, denier on those things. Um, no, he's got. I tell you, maybe it's the white soft stocking over his face. Maybe it's his slightly unkempt, like ginger hair as he puts on. But Redmond here had Jackie Earl Haley not played it phenomenally already. Good Rorschach. Good Rorschach. Yeah, definitely. Um, puts it on. He he insists that the family not when so much, but he insists that they keep looking at him and not look away. 
we as an audience look away because this is a PG-13. And he, um, the yeah. others behind him do like a ceremonial pace up and down, like guards outside the Wicked Witch, the Wetch's West's castle, and then mm. just bonk him on the head. Bonk him on the head with one of his things, and then very kindly, Batista carries the body out of sight so that they don't have to see it. And then they go, right, that's it. Until tomorrow. Thanks for thanks for being here. But even though we'll do that. Really put, a bit, put a bit of telly on first before they say uh, that. Yeah, of course. Put a bit of telly but, on. And they they point out that earthquakes have already happened out in the Pacific, and then they're yeah. gonna be some they show some flooded some flooded places in Hawaii. And yeah. at first, is it Sabrina's like this isn't what we saw? Uh, and then all of a sudden the news flash comes back on and says, Oh shit, there's yeah. been there's been a secondary earthquake. Uh and actually now where it's not gonna be like the other places we just saw. These tsunamis, as they describes in the wiki summary, because we don't have notes because it's a new film, mega tsunamis, yeah. like when Jez has got Mark's uh, <laughs> got his oh, laptop, yeah, his la- in his laptop in the bath. Mega tsunami. Yeah. That that wasn't the bad thing. What was the bad thing? Uh, uh, yeah. So, so he's, this is kind of so Why did they show Are the you... first bit? Is it? It's because the first bit's supposed to cast doubt on the fact that that it's that real. They are who they say they are? Because they're like, oh, it they, is... yeah, it's what's happened already ago. based on what happened four hours ago, and then the news flash happens to indicate that oh no, this is happening immediately. The only yeah. thing I don't understand is. Suspension of disbelief for the contrivance of a film. Where do they get this footage from? Because we see footage of some that people on the beach Makes where no a massive sense. wave comes and the guy gets absolutely obliterated and the footage ends with the camera. Was he on Facebook Live? Was he? I just explained it. That could, they that were could like, be exactly what it is. They were like, "We've got, there's some footage that we've just got. And I'm like, what? Someone's filmed it, clearly died, and then some either footage, someone's fished the phone out and gone, let's double check all these phones in the middle of the tsunami to see if there's any decent footage on there. Um, I think that's yeah. exactly what it is, though. He was probably broadcasting live. He, he was doing a live stream, and they've, they've pulled it. Maybe. We're still I've, supposed I've, to believe that. Accidentally, accidentally explained it. But yeah, um, they've they've got this footage, and we see big... Just like a deep impact time where like the the yeah. sea forms massive waves and basically everyone gets obliterated by this huge wave. So their first prediction has come true. They turn the telly off um and say, Right, see you tomorrow morning. Within reason, we'll do what you want. Within reason. We'll do what you want. Yeah. They say we'll tend to all your needs. So I don't want anything from you, thanks. Are we are we, are we still tied up? Yes, but we'll, we'll allow you to face yeah. each other. That's nice. He won't. He won't say. You guys, could you untie me? And like, oh, I did say, attend to your needs, um, or just other unreasonable things. Like, can I have some <laughs> chicken tenders from KFC, but McDonald's right. chips and okay. Burger King Coke, and Burger King Coke, please. Just branded Coke. Is this a... no? You said you tend to my needs, and what I need. <laughs> Is, is those is is those three? To be honest, if the world's ending, you can have a pizza as well. I'm just half uh, and I'm half. Just... And when I say half and half, I want half of it of Domino's and half of it. <laughs> pizza. Maybe they want half and half, half Domino's, 
half Tesco's pizza, frozen pizza, but I want it still frozen and the other half cooked, please. Is that okay? I want you to get those things, then I want you to freeze the dominoes and thaw the Tesco's. It's not reasonable. <laughs> Stop, not reasonable. please. Um, yeah, so within reason, he's going to do that, and he's just like, just going to sleep now, and they they do. Um, is this a point we have a little... <sighs> Again, it's difficult when you haven't made notes because you're in a cinema and stuff. Um, yeah. We we have a flashback at some point that shows them arriving at the cabin and having a great time. We have another flashback later, which is about the past history of Redmond that Andrew then remembers. You might remember it around now that he recognises Redmond as someone called O'Bannon that assaulted him. So check his wallet. His name's O'Bannon and Leonard refuses at this time. What's the connection of that as well? Is it just another thing to, to again cast doubt upon it? Because it seems yeah, I guess it's a, it, yes, it's a connection that it says, well, it's not random. Someone has met us before, like this guy O'Bannon. He mentions in his introduction that he made some mistakes in his past and had been to prison and had cha- changed his life. But in this one, he says that a guy beat me up for being gay, which is, again, a reason to distrust and dislike these people um, that are speaking to them. And basically Andrew's uh, point of the film is he's basically thinking that if you're not a religious cult, you are here with some horrible plan to force us yeah. to hurt one each other and take our family apart. Yeah, and that feels... I mean, I was kind of trying to put myself in the in the position of these guys and I'm thinking I probably would think it was that until I literally saw planes falling out of the sky. Yeah, I would. I would probably. It would probably be the third one. For me as well, that would be like, oh, this is, this is something yeah. I can't explain anymore. Um, yeah, we 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 basically go to the next morning, and um, Wen is having some breakfast prepared mm-hmm. by um, Adrian, Adrienne. She says, um, "I love, I love, I love feeding people. You know, I love cooking for people." She has like a feeder. You know, someone's yeah. like, "Oh, I made you a lovely, I made you a a, a full English." Oh, another one. I had, I've already had two today because of you. That's no, all right. Getting down That's here. Right, another one. Need feeding. Free of everything. Um, when does manage to sneak a knife out of a food and has passed it to, um, Daddy Eric, who is using Ever- it to try to store himself free. Ever so sneaky. And then he says, Do you remember what you did at Thanksgiving? She goes, Yeah. Um, when I nod at you, remember and uh do it again. So they've got a little plan is going on, yeah. Before that, she tries to she escapes first though, right? She goes out through the, the hole in the basement, sneaks out, but Leonard captures her. It's only a minor scene. He doesn't capture her in a mean way, he just picks her back up and takes her back in. Oh yeah. Says, I'm really sorry, I'm afraid you're not allowed to you're not allowed to leave. There's a bit um, of um a little bit of tension there, but yeah, I don't think we're supposed to actually be scared of him. It's one of the things his... I think that the parents, like um, Andrew and Eric, are afraid every time that it that there any of the others are in contact with with Wen. But it's primarily Leonard that does, it, and he's very careful in ensuring that he's not intending on hurting anything. He picks her up very gently and always gives them gives them to sit yeah. with one of her dads. Um, yeah, exactly. And very quickly, Adrian, having fed and fed the characters, it goes to another choice that morning, um, and says, 
okay, will you make the choice? Again, the, the, the narrative hasn't changed. They both say, they both say no. And um, again, really emotional delivery here. Like Adrian stands before them and basically says like, I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to talk about all these things. I wasn't going to yeah. say his name, but I have a son who I love. And in the visions I've, watched him die and it's horrible um why why, are the, why would the visions be her watching him die because she's there in the cabin she's not with her son when all the apocalypse is I guess happening she with him in the vision because she's seeing things if independently the thing. yeah maybe yeah sorry i've got so many i've got so many questions i know i can't help it i'll have to read I this feel, um i feel very cynical about it i guess you're you're andrew you don't yeah, see the, you don't see the signs. Um, yeah, like, no, angel in the mirror. Yeah, and that's what I think that it's around this point after this next choice that Eric, who has a concussion, it's been established and is sensitive to the light, feels yeah. that you might have seen something like a figure standing through the in the window, but um, Adrian makes her sacrifice. She does sell tell him that my, this is my son's name and I love him very much and then she gets mm-hmm. bonked on the head and is uh, is dead as well again Leonard picks a body up and takes it out of the room and they switch the telly on mm-hmm. question like please if you're a non-UK listener um, and you've watched this I have a question for you in the version that we saw at the cinemas it's not universal there are some internationally focused um, TV spots, but the majority of the news um, broadcasts we see are stylized like the BBC News, which is our probably our most famous news in the UK. Mm-hmm. In international versions of this, so if you are, you get listeners in a couple of, in a few countries in Europe, you have listeners in the US, Australia, does it show your localised news uh, you know, as if it's news from your television networks, the icons, the typography, the banners, or does it all look like BBC news to you as well? I'm really interested to know. Um, yeah. We get we get BBC News 24 comes on and basically says, tell you what, there's a new flu-like virus coming around. When did this book come out? Very on the nose for 2019. Yeah, I know. I don't know when it came out, actually. A few... A few... Uh... Years ago, I guess, yeah. So, 2018, is... did we say? I think we said, yeah, 2018 yeah. novel. So, there is a, there is a basically a COVID like virus, male rapidly acting, but one that specifically um, targets young people, very infectious for children and very deadly. Um, and it very much, it very quickly talks about the large numbers of outbreaks in certain cities. And again, this is where Andrew can't buy into it because like you say, Ben, this can't happen overnight. This virus has to have existed beforehand. Yeah. He says he's maybe, read stories he's been like about for months. It. Yeah. Maybe, maybe our, maybe our point of plausibility and belief in this is that all of a sudden mortality has started climbing and kids are dying from it rather than just being ill. Maybe the ones that are in hospital have just started tanking and dying. Yeah tanking and dying yeah um so uh, that's 
that that's the next that's the next sacrifice and we i think we have some more flashbacks at this point right yeah there's a flashback of when um eric and andrew adopt when like for the first time which is very heartfelt sort of moment obviously as you said that we did get a flashback to the bar when andrew was attacked by a man and we don't officially look and see that it's rupert grint but I think we're supposed to believe. Yeah, that it we're is given him. we're given the impression that it's him, right? Because we see a guy with red hair, and you don't see his face properly, so it's given room for us to be to have ambiguity. Um, this is the thing. Well I think this film this film does really well at sort of making everything seem quite ambiguous. That we're supposed to make our own decision about what's going on because we kind of see the same thing as the, as the characters, and we're supposed to believe it. But yeah, Andrew starts sort of going to the gym training because obviously he's he feels like. The world is out to to get him, as of course, yeah. as of course, you, he was you would a victim. be experiencing that as a gay man. Um, and he buys a gun as well. Yeah, he buys buys a gun, which comes into play in a little bit, which he has with them. Again, it's all these. It's very, like I say, it's very the signs. All these things have come into place. We might as well hit another couple of the other flashbacks as well. We've seen them going on the holiday, and they have a song that they share about putting on your boogie boogie shoes. Oh, yeah. uh, Casey in the shirts, Casey in the sunshine band. Right, I'm not sure. Um, so you, you you see that you see that moment. You see the happiness they have together, even in the nice moments of them adopting. When though there are difficulties in that, so they're adopting a they're adopting a child, um, and you see the hospital they go through to see the baby when that they're going to adopt, and he says to the the nurse or the person that escorts him into the room, oh, my wife couldn't make it. This is her brother because they obviously can't present yeah, themselves as a gay couple. Yeah. Maybe it's part of the um, thing. And we also see some elements of the family life as well. We've seen, as you already mentioned, Ben, that Eric clearly has a very supportive family. We never see his mom, but Within moments, uh, we see Andrew's parents come to visit, looking very uncomfortably and having driven several hours to see them leave within about 45 minutes. And then we see Eric's mom phoning off camera to ask how it's going. Mm -hmm. It shows the the journey that Andrew has taken to feel the way he does about the world um, and feel the, the distrust. And that there's actually, like, when your own parents don't have much... Um, to say to you or much love for you in the world like what inclination have you got to do anything that would save millions of strangers who you haven't had any better uh, response from yeah 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 exactly um yeah it does it does a really good job of sort of fleshing out these characters and having us understand them and everything they've gone through together why their bond would be so strong um as sort of a family unit as well uh yeah it's, it, I think it does it does a good job of establishing that. Um, what kind of happens next? I mean, there's a lot of like the characters like Leonard, Sabrina, and Adrian, all kind of like quietly trying to convince them that you know that they're the real deal, that they're not religious nuts, that they've come here to help essentially save the world and to save all these save everybody else by them making a a sacrifice and again i feel like i'd get on board with them in a way if if the end goal wasn't that one of us has got to kill kill the other it just kind of feels so extreme that it's almost like well there's no way surely that they're gonna be able to agree to that guess you're trying to 
I guess you're trying to create almost an impossible choice because they say, you know, we can't do it. We can't do it for you. You can't kill your self either. And I guess you're trying to make a really difficult decision. Don't worry, but I'm not going to ask at the end. So no, if your family was there, who would, who would, who'd have it then? <laughs> but, okay. um, but um, yeah, it's, this is the, the next bit. So as we've said, uh, when has stolen a knife and they're trying to break out, they give her the signal and she does a big, a big tantrum. Um, which distracts Leonard as he's trying to calm her down, which gives Eric the time to finish cutting through his ropes and breaking free. Um, while he is then kicking off, Andrew is able to escape and he runs out to the car um, where yeah. he's already announced that he has a gun in the boot, uh, in a safely stored gun. It's in a lockbox. It's not um, loaded. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's not um, loaded. It's in a lockbox, but they do have a gun and he runs out to get it. Sabrina pursues him and kneecaps injures his leg, <laughs> smashes yeah. his leg with big hammer. I feel like, anticipate that. As soon as she comes towards you, just be like, I'm not going to let her swing that thing at me. I'm going to back do off. A tuck, now. Do we a just... tuck jump. Lift your legs Do a tuck the jump. Air. But he, he seems to just take it. You know, but she comes out. She's been she's been playing a Smash Brothers. So she comes out when you get her. She's like blasting <laughs> that hammer around. Um, yeah, she she bashes him with the hammer, and then he, she doesn't. Again, she's not naturally a violent person, so she doesn't. It's not a full on attack mode. He gets into the car, and she does smash the window to get at him, and she's poking him and sort of stabbing him in the side with a shot, but not intending to hurt him. He gets a gun. He gets the gun out, loads it, and shoots at her and fends her off. She runs away, and then he goes yeah, back so... in to stop the others. So he purposely misses her just to scare her. But I wonder what this scene was because She seems to run off into the woods. Like, what actually happens? Because she must get to a point and go, right, that's it, I'm running back now, but <laughs> going to yeah. go to the back door. Yeah, I need to and be even gone though I know, just for even a though second. I know, even though I know he's got a gun, I'm still going to run in and scream. Just you know, like the like the virtue cop, don't shoot me, people that just run out, run at you, yeah, aggressively exactly. waving their arms. Um, don't shoot. Yeah, so they they come along. Uh, you go. He goes inside, and he he basically holds Leonard at gunpoint. Sabrina comes running back in, and he shoots her. Are we to believe here that he shot her? dead or is she just almost dead meaning that Leonard has to finish her off as part of the sacrifice? I feel like she's dead but Leonard has to do something to her to sort of like make that count. Yeah he has to crack the egg open to let the the, the apocalypse out. Let the apocalypse out yeah which is in her, and, in her brain. And he does and he, he kind of moves on with that even though Andrew is standing there with a gun he's like well he's like stop that he just ignores him he has to do it Um, and then yeah. they put the TV on and this becomes, I guess, the almost irrefutable section where what what's happening here and literally the newscast is now there are planes dropping out of the sky. You see video of yeah. planes crashing down everywhere. There are news articles. We have some international ones. We go to Australia and someone's saying there are planes falling out of the sky. They've grounded all the flights, but no one knows what's happening. Is it a cyber attack? Is and there's still a yeah. there's still a reach for a plausible explanation. Yeah, I think Andrew even says that terrorist shit's got nothing to do with this. Yeah. 
Um, he does say that, yeah. So he's he's clearly even even at this point still cynical. But Eric is like starting to. There's a few moments where Eric is like silently staring ahead, and Andrew's like, "Are you all right?" So you can see he's kind of being like bewitched by it a little bit. And he even says he sees a figure in the mirror in the mirror at one point, doesn't he? So I don't know if we're yeah. supposed to believe he thinks he sees an angel or something. And we're always we're always led to believe that, like you know, there's that possibility because he has a concussion. Maybe this is something he's seeing from there. But Eric is also of the two of them shown to be the person who has like a faith because when they're sitting at the hospital adopting, when there is like a big old mural of Jesus, and he goes, "Oh, you can do some prayers if you want. Like I won't make fun of you or anything like that." So, um, yeah, you know, it's and he has had some conversations with him where he's indicating he might be built he might believe him but has said they have a symbol where they point at each other and said both in this together and he's they he says like i'm i'm yeah. with you in this yeah. um and andrew keeps charge he basically says to leonard i'm gonna lock you in the bathroom we're gonna leave um as soon as they've shut the bathroom door a window smashes and you go yeah, it's like, for that window. And he, and he doesn't. And he absolutely tanks this one because he shoots him through the shower curtain and doesn't make a peep until Andrew comes close and he wrestles the gun off him. Yeah. Doesn't make a peep. Jesus. Yeah, he's like, you must it. go. Come over to the shot, getting shot in the arm. But again, as soon, just... even when he has the gun, he sort of says, like, like I'm no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to hurt you. He said, come on, everyone, let's go outside. I'd prefer to do this last bit outside. Um, goes out to the porch and says, with the planes falling and everything like that, there isn't much There isn't much time. Um, when I'm gone, there will literally be minutes for you to... There, there are literally going to be minutes for you to do this, and then it's going to be too late. Um, gives them the choice. They, you know, they still... Can't do anything. They send Wen up to a treehouse to listen to some, you know, get headphones on and not come down until one of them comes yeah. to fetch her. Um, again, from a film and a horror point of view, it's it's it is off screen, but it isn't not gruesome. Leonard, yeah, puts his own throat and has passed away, and he says all of humanity has been judged. Yeah. And then lightning strikes start coming down everywhere. Yeah. And th- I was worried here because it was like, okay, you've, you've got a few minutes left to make the decision after this. But I'd be like, yeah, how long's that? How do you, again, how do you know? Like, if we're going to go through with the sacrifice, I'd be worried that it's going to be like a missed situation where you go through with it, but, you know, oh, you're too late. Sorry. The last minute. Um, and this is, again, maybe this is why this is a great choice for, um, in many ways, for being an M. Night Shyamalan movie because all the way through it, if you're going in with the expectation of what his films are, you're expecting a twist. You could go in and think, is this an elaborate trick? And then at the end, you'll see them in the car going, he tricked another couple into killing themselves. Yeah, or exactly. is it going to be, um, you know, are we going to see an actual mystic intervention and some angels will come down again? All form for what his type of filmmaking could be. Um you know the same would they have a cruel twist where it's like yes you did it but it's too late but we, we yeah. get like you know what is maybe a I more think... traditional play out and a 
hand off it. Sorry, what were you going to say? I won't. I won't ruin the end of the book. But as far as I'm aware, the book is a bit, a bit more tragic, in a way. Again, I won't spoil it. A bit more tragic. Um, less of a. Less of a let's make a choice, more of a a terrible thing kind of happens while the choice is trying to be made. Um, and if I remember right, like some of the antagonists have got a bit of a, a disagreement in between them as well, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure Redmond lives longer oh. as well. Oh, okay. I'll have to read this book, actually. But on Redmond's point of view, uh, he forgot to mention, as Andrew got the gun, he did check... Um, Redmond's wallet and he is O'Bannon the person yeah. who he remembers attacking him so again as far as that name lined up it was him so we have that we have that extra connection now hmm. um, yeah yeah at this point it's all going along but um, Daddy Eric himself has made the choice and he goes hey um, yeah this, this is a good a good bit because for me anyway it was good because even though to this very point, Andrew doesn't believe in all of this stuff, even with planes falling from the sky and there being lightning bolts like scorching the earth and starting terrible fires, he doesn't believe that this is a, a thing, but he does believe Eric, because that's what he points out. He says, like, I don't want to believe it. I believe you. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he says, "Okay, you have to, you have to kill me." But Eric's having none of it and says, "No, no. You are staying, and this is the thing." He has almost himself, whether it's by the act of his concussion, whether it's his poetic way of speaking, whether it is his a vision that he has truly had. He goes through a vision saying, "Hey, you're going to do it, and you're going to kill." me because my our daughter needs you to look after her and i i have made peace with this i'm a person of faith so i know that i'm doing this in i really i really believe it you believe me i believe this is the right thing to do and i am i can see very clearly what the future looks like and he and we even see it we see it delivered in film we see an older andrew going out with a grown-up when yeah, um, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, they're enjoying, they're they're, they're happy, they're in a normal-looking world, and they are, mm-hmm. you know, they they have they have a good they have a good life, and he describes what her life is that she has someone that that she loves, and they have, and she's successful, and she's happy, and all these great things. Um, yeah. and in that moment, uh, you know, with Eric's encouragement, he does. Oh, sorry. Eric does point out the whole four horsemen of the apocalypse sense that we basically needed, we needed to meet them and we needed to see their sacrifices. I think in his mind, there was no way they were making this decision at any point before before this point. And he even points out maybe this is what people have been doing for in the past as well. That's what people have to do periodically, and it so it poses a lot of things that it never confirms or or debunks, um, but he has this moment where he says, Hey, we've seen these people and we needed to meet these people and see them, see them make their sacrifices because they are his four horsemen of the apocalypse. And again, repeating ourselves here, I think he describes them as like malice, nurturing, healing, and uh, like guidance. guidance. 
Yeah, 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 that's it. Uh, and then, and then that was it. They, um, he, he does it. He dies. He dies, and then lightning bolt strikes the cabin and begins to burn that down. But um, yeah, but, but rain, I, I automatically be like, it's too late. I'd be like, it's too late. Yeah, but yeah, rain, rain does begin. So rain begins, and uh, the light goes out. Andrew goes up and meets Wen, and then just have a bloody good, bloody good cry. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad, isn't it? Like it's, it's incredibly... sad, brutal and very well, like it's a very well performed, very well performed movie. I think. I think it does great stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, almost like with the mist, is kind of like hopeless at the end. It's still, it's still just as tragic as the mist, but like feels a bit more hopeful. I guess the fact that, um, and as. M. Night Shyamalan movies like to end. I think this is how Split ended as well. If you want to add a little extra bit of content to the end of the film, uh, everyone gather in a diner and watch it on TV. I think it happens at yeah. the end of Split. That happens, right? They they walk along. They find the they find the truck of the people of the of our of our four horsemen of the apocalypse that came early on, and we basically get orgy of evidence that they were exactly who they say they were. We have. We have Leonard's details and some more like a class, you know, a thing that all of his class, all of his students that he teaches have signed. We see Redmond's ID. Do we see uh, Sabrina's um, Sabrina's nursing? Um, oh yeah, like ID Basically, badge. We see Adrian's picture of her son. It's like right. We got to bring a bag of of evidence to confirm all these things, just in case someone finds the bag. Whoever survives finds the bag. The evidence bag. Have you got the evidence bag? Yeah, I brought the evidence bag. Don't worry about it. Frank evidence for... bag is all here. There's a bit. There's a bit. There's a little time capsule from each of us. I mean, you're right. They they go to, they go to the diner. Um, they they see people conveniently. A little bit of uh, Justice League about this. Dawn of Justice. They flick through all yeah. of the channels and basically see that each news channel is covering a different one of the current world disasters, and they're all fine. So basically, yeah. planes have all been grounded safely. Um, you get a lovely hospital in Edinburgh saying, actually, no one's died for the last couple of hours. We've got this, and we, we're okay. We've got it under control. Um, we get that the the tsunamis are just a thing that happened, but there are. we hear that there have been deaths, but I think you see the waters just beginning to drop away and someone's been saved or the fact that the waters have just subsided and the lightning strikes have have ended yeah and then um, we sorry go and on. i think there's, there's like a news report saying look this was a massive pandemic but in the last hour no one's died so i think it's over <laughs> yeah you think they said oh maybe we've cracked it like actually we've uh we've discovered there's a there's a treatment or something like that we can use we'll roll it out everywhere but they just say it's just it's just backing up it's stopping and I guess it's presented as if it's a miraculous end to all of these things that have come suddenly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Eric decides to, you know, Eric's point as he's encouraging Andrew to shoot him is that like, we've been chose to make this one because, because we loved each other so much and that if we chose to sacrifice it, then it would truly be a huge sacrifice for one of us to be gone. And um, they, Andrew and Wen get back in the car and the song Boogie Shoes by your correct Ben Casey and the Sunshine Band yeah. uh, plays um, 
and they at first it comes on it makes him sad and he turns it off then when puts it back on for a second then she turns it off and they both put it on and listen to it and then in a film where much like signs we've kind of been encouraged to think oh you know what there are signs of something symbolic and more important in things that you can't necessarily explain i take it that they both take it as a sign that eric is somewhere with them and he's looking you know and he's and that's a because it was one of his songs that he'd put on a playlist that he'd made for them so it you know it is it is some kind of symbol that that eric is with them and he lives on in, with in them in a way country. yeah but yeah i'm glad and, i'm glad they didn't sing or dance i felt like it would have been yeah it would have been inappropriate so we, we're happy to hear this song but we're not going to do the the sing-along that we did earlier no that'd be silly uh yeah so that that's is, it that's it for for um look at the cabin have you got any name game for me to enjoy i've got, I got a few for you enjoy, i guess i've got a few for you um okay ben so what's the what's the synopsis of this one let's make sure we've got this on uh, the synopsis is while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that they make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Okay, so while vacationing at their cabin, a young girl and her parents are disturbed when an armed chicken clucks aggressively outside to be let into the cabin. An armed, an armed chicken? Yeah. Cluck? Is it cluck? cluck? If you were if you were doing an onomatopoeia of the thing rather than using the word cluck, that's the noise they make. But what would a chicken actually say? If they're at the cabin. Uh, wait, what? If you were just writing out the sound that it made rather than describing it as a cluck, because chickens don't say cluck cluck. That is how yeah, you describe the noise they make. A peck. No, my my brain's turned what, to what, mush. What, what, if you're doing an impression of a chicken, what would you say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's at the cabin. Buck, <laughs> buck, bock, 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 bock at, at the, the cabin. At the cabin. Christ. That's like that. I thought. I thought. I thought I was clearly missing something, but I'll be honest, Andy, wasn't it as easy as all that. Yeah, no, tricky. The others aren't so Is difficult. That it? Is that no, it? No, no, I've right, got okay. more. Do you I've, want? I've I've got some as well. So, let, let, do you want to do a little round robin? Yeah, that's it. You go. Mine are a little bit less conventional, I think. I'm not just replaced it. Re- replaced it? I just said replaced it, Andy. I told you my brain's <laughs> gone to mush. So, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand... Uh, and Dave Batista demands that he grab one of their genitals in order to avert the apocalypse. And they and um, as he grabs one of their gen- genitals, one of them says, "Oi, that's my." Okay, it's going to be cock at the cabin. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. If, if he's if he's reaching oh, out, cock, and touching... cock at the grabbing. Cock that you're grabbing. I've done. Cock that uh... you're grabbing. All right, we got it. I just, I've just the the at the. I've just decided to veto in some of these. Okay. All right, so. Cock that you're grabbing. Um, next, I have for you um, uh, a young girl and her parents um, decide for a city break, actually, and they marvel at the local sights 
of watching some knife crime while they eat some cocoa-based snacks. Say it again. Which the, which, so a young girl and her, and her family decide for a city break rather than a, rather than rural Pennsylvania and yeah. marvel as they watch some knife crime go on in the streets while they enjoy some cocoa-based snacks, which they speak of informally. Cocoa-based snacks. Yeah, cocoa-based treats. Rice Krispie squares? <laughs> Rice Krispie yeah. cakes? I mean, it could pops. be any sort. They could, they could, you could be drinking it, Choc. you could be eating it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Chock at the stabbing. Chock at the stabbing. That's, that's what they enjoy. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I'd want some chock at the stabbing. Yes, please. I'd love a bit of chock at the stabbing. Nice. Um... I'm sorry. While well, vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers, one of which is Dave Batista. But luckily, one of his <laughs> one of his rivals, well, I don't even know if they actually really had a feud in the WWE. One of his rivals turns up and he's swinging at him to get him away. He's swinging at him. <laughs> Rock. Is this one where you vetoed the app there? Yeah. Rock include, jabbing. Include rock jabbing, yeah. It's rock and he's jabbing. Rock and he's jabbing. There he is. Yeah. Nice. Um, I've got Navy's the rock. I've got one more for you then. Um, a girl and her and her parents um, go away to a, a fairly uneventful, actually, um, lovely, lovely break in rural Pennsylvania. And the little girl making fun of her two dads and their slightly outdated grasp of youth culture mm. makes fun of them mercilessly for their slightly out of date um youth gestures that they use youth emotes that they use because it's become cliched and overdone mock yeah at the she goes cool dad everyone's flossing now not that old thing not what that are they doing? Thing. What are they doing that 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 she's making fun of them for still doing all this mock time? The trends at, moved on. Mock, mock at the dancing. Not not dancing. They're doing like a quick. You saying bolt? Yeah, mock at dabbing. the dabbing. Mock at the dabbing. <laughs> oh, fantastic! You got any fantastic. more? Fantastic. I got one more. Go on. Um. So while vacation, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by a man. Um, even they're taken hostage, but he's quite nice, really, because he says he wants to take them to around all around the lake to capture loads of little um invertebrates. Are they invertebrates? Loads of uh. <laughs> I told you my brain's just gone. I can't even think about words to capture loads of crustaceans. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. To capture loads of crustaceans whilst wearing a lovely coat-like garment that he's bought for them. Uh, smock for going out crabbing. Yeah, that's it. Smock to go crabbing. That's it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> invertebrates, I said. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm not sure if crabs are in... Invertebrates, crustaceans. I mean, they probably have a spine. Yeah, I said crustaceans. I didn't mean to say yeah. invertebrates. That was me being silly. Don't know that it's not true. Need to learn about my uh, crab biology, I guess. 
exactly exactly uh, that's it for me have you got another one no no i thought i'd do something quickly with sock but i've got nothing to change for cabin ah, okay um so i guess all we got to do now is rate the film then yeah what you got for rate this one to the film um i think on reflection i think i prefer it to the book um i think it does but then again, maybe just the film captured the these human stories a lot better than than the book. You know, the way the book was kind of written made me feel a bit disconnected from it. I felt more connected to it. I think I preferred this to old. I probably glass as well. Into, Beach to makes you get old. I probably glass as well because I think those two films I struggled with, and I thought this one's got more of an identity. I know it's not an original script; it's based on based on someone, of course. Um, really good performances all round, but yeah, I just still part of me feels a little bit like I'm watching from afar, like I can't quite get it in terms of a concept. It doesn't feel like the most fleshed out concept or realized concept, um, and that loses me a bit, especially as as it's, as the film starts to wrap up. I'm a bit like, okay, I get it, but it's just not making me feel anything. Okay, so for You're that, like the Jedi. Think... exactly. So. C plus is probably as far as I'm willing to take it. I think. Um, hopefully that's fair. That's fair. I think. Um, I'm gonna go slightly. I go slightly higher. Again, I was impressed by the performances. Um, yeah, great performances. I think there's a an interesting message. I I did feel for it. I think it was because of the strength of performances. There was a bit of sadness there, and actually, especially oh. in the polarized world we live in today, Ben where you do increasingly feel like you're out for yourself and the people that you love in a world that, by and large, apart from the people you already know, they didn't care about you, you didn't care about them. I think there's there's a hopelessness that in, that invades our consciousness in the world these days. Yeah, And I think Definitely. that it is, and it does present itself, a really difficult hypothetical choice where if you had to sacrifice or be sacrificed, for the benefit of yes the people you love but by and large a lot of people that you didn't know or care about in the same way it's an interesting thought about how people would approach that now um so i enjoyed it it's given me a little bit to think about i think with is true as a lot of m night Shyamalan's films is that you cannot replicate that first watch experience ever again in in most of them so it was a good first watch will i watch it again anytime soon maybe regularly at all probably not unless it's with someone who hasn't seen it before karen couldn't make it she was working so would i watch it again okay. with her or with someone else yes probably yeah. but maybe not ever again on my own i'm gonna go as far as a b minus on this one ever so slightly higher on the strength of those yeah. performances. Nice. But nice. Can good I, movie. Can I, I recommend that? you watch it at least once. And yeah, you know I what? PG-13. So stick it on. Yeah. Ain't going to worry about having nightmares. Yeah, exactly. Which is nice sometimes, isn't it? I think, yeah, when you said, is this a horror? I didn't even realise it was a PG-13 until... Or, so what is it? 12A? Then, so then again, so was Megan. So Is, is it a 15 then in, in the UK? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to have a look. All right, don't worry. Um, yeah, so there we go. That is knock at cabin. 
So where would you rate this in, in your M. Night Shyamalan movies? Is it up there with your favourites or just sort of middling? I suppose um, middling, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's in the it's in the middle zone. I mean, I'm not. It's been so many years since I've seen it. Would I rate it that dissimilarly from things that I think stand up very well, like it's Sixth Sense? Good movie. I couldn't watch it that many times again because I've seen it. Um, and you know, I'm not sure what the the dating on that is. Um, I've been back and watched them. I think for me, big M Night films that I really love, hard to top the Signs and Unbreakable. Yeah, and then contrary to your beliefs, I really like the visit. Probably watched the visit more times than I've watched any of his others. Maybe just oh, wow. beaten out by the signs, but um, I think this is good. I would call this as a as a good movie. More power to him. Keep banging out those movies, M Night. Oh yeah, definitely keep it going, M Night. We love it. Um, there we go. Then that is knock at the cabin. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout thanks to our patrons including john crinnan ben scaife stephen christopher laura kendrick toby miller lane spencer ollie child leslie carlow julia bilgren nick spill troy bursch pazuzu and rosalind harnias thanks to taj easton for our theme music thanks to Acast for hosting the show please consider giving us a rating or review head over to the facebook group horror hangout board of advisors we're on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok all of those places you'll find us just search horror hangout, po- hangout podcast Next week, we're doing Tremors with a special guest, right? Isn't that correct, we Andy? Here we are indeed. Looking forward to Tremors. So we've done some February experimental horror in Skinnamarink. We've done, now we're doing um, Knock at the Cabin. Is it a horror? Is it a, an emotional thriller? Now, lovely classic creature feature. Get in. Very classic. And who have we got joining us? Stuart Mulrane, so host of the And Why Not podcast, where they look at popular movies of, you know, movies just because they like to talk about them. Um, Stu gets on a host of guests week on week. Uh, I've joined him before to talk about one of my favourite comedy movies, A Town Called Panic. Um, And I really like one of the things that they do is they cover every week he pulls out a little list of the things that are available classic movies or movies that he'd recommend that are on free to air channels so just you know a movie that you could just check out without having any subscription services whatsoever um amazing really really cool approach and he loves a good movie chat good old guy he's managed uh days gone by used to manage some of the comic conventions we used to attend so uh good to have him on to join us wow nice perfect looking forward to it um okay so that's that's it thanks for being a right horror dude as well andy of course as always you for being a right horror dude ben and indeed all those other right horror dudes which i do use in a gender neutral sense out there today and every every week bye for now everybody see you later see you next time bye bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.